sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends. And, Kev, we were talking like we're going to have new big boys in college football, as it looks like the Big Ten is going to play starting in late October. If we could put up that top 25 again, though, right? Because, listen, they had to fill up the top 25 with just these three power conferences to start, right, Kev? So look at this. When I see teams like Appalachian State and Army in the, you know, and Memphis and UCF in in the top 25, I think these teams are the big losers, Kev, because these teams are out there and playing, doing whatever they have to. And, you know, like five teams I'm pulling out of my, you know, hind parts now, but at least that many are just going to be inserted into the top 25 no matter what they do. And like this completely changes the entire composition of college football. And it's this weird staggered thing. I mean, I'm glad that we get to see more action. I hope everyone stays safe. But this is like, to me, Major League Baseball had a little bit of a dumpster fire on their hands on how they were going to figure it out. And now all these things are imbalanced. And college football is going to have some of the same issues. You know, so this is um, kind of an opportunity. You know, Dane, right? I'm sure there are certain takes, right, for you that are kind of sticking points. At a moment's right. notice, if you hear the conversation, you're like, let me get in there yep. and tell everybody why they're wrong. And, right. you know, I understand you saying, like, I feel bad for these bottom teams that are now going to be out of luck. But unfortunately for those teams, that was always the case. What? Like, because they were never going to allow these teams to get into the mix. And I say that because I am someone who vehemently believes that they should have more teams in the college football playoff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that think that four teams makes th- makes the games matter more. I actually think that's mm-hmm. wrong. I think it makes certain games matter a lot less. Because nobody cares mm-hmm. when the nine team in the country goes versus the 12th team in the country. So I look at this from those schools and yeah, like unfortunately now you might got, you know, the 21 next to your name and, and now it won't be there when you play on Saturdays. But Listen, they were never going to give you a fair shake anyway because they're never going to let you encroach here on this opportunity that they provide these power fives. Yeah, I I hear you from that angle, right? Um, Like, will, uh, you know, Memphis get all the way to the playoff? No, you're right. But there's other values also for some of these lower tier schools, right? Literally, to have the number 23 in parentheses next to your name, like, Kev, that does a lot for things like recruiting, right? Uh, for some of these small schools to be like, oh, they, they're one of those better mid-major schools. And that could move the needle for some people. It could mean a lot for things like coaches and coach incentives and contracts and job security. But you're right for the competitive balance. You know, they, they got lucky. You know, some of these mid-major teams, right, that Ohio yeah. State or Oregon wouldn't be there. And now that they'll be there. But there are some other implications. Definitely something we are going to start to monitor 
monitor because it does look like the Big Ten will be involved. But remember, Kev, I mean, three Big 12 teams couldn't play last week, right, because of coronavirus-related things. So it's going to be a moving target, and we shall see. So as we welcome, Kev, our radio audience back in around the country, including on the West Coast with the Mightier 1090, I want to look back at that injury report, Kev. Okay, because we talked about how it related to the Steelers. You talked about the San Francisco 49ers. I got to ask you about your team, Kev, the Philadelphia Eagles and Miles Sanders. Okay, Miles Sanders, who did not play in week one, Boston Scott got the lion's share of the work. Corey Clement was in there as well. It looks like he is a full participant. Right. So that's a good thing. But I got to tell you, Kev, similar to with the Steelers, the offensive line woes that I saw for Philadelphia. I don't know about Lane Johnson just yet, but to me, that offensive line in Philly, regardless of if it's Miles Sanders, Boston Scott or Barry Sanders, for goodness sakes, that's going to be a problem if that continues. Yes, and we did get the update yesterday that not only is Miles Sanders on track to play this week, but so is Lane Johnson. And throughout the course of this year, I am hoping that when it comes to breaking down these Eagles games, I provide what people believe, and you as my co-host, who I, whose opinion I value greatly, believe to be unbiased analysis. I'll and keep you honest, I, bro. And I look back at week one, and the fact that I begged for the Eagles to be playing anybody other than Washington, the fact that they lost, the fact that I didn't bet Philly, I hope was a nice start to the season in that quest. I say that objectivity. (laughs) Yes. If Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders are out there, there is absolutely no way the LA Rams should be laying points in Philadelphia. There is no way. If Lane is out, different story. But if he is there, as well as Miles Sanders, who was pretty much like the number one wide receiver for Philly as they made that playoff push due to all of the injuries. Like, that is such a big difference from that group that crumbled against Washington, by the way, in a division game on the road, that I think Philly is a team you either have to bet or stay off of the game. There's no way if Lane and Miles Sanders are out there, you can be laying points with the Rams on the road. All right, right now, however, Kev, there's been some movement. The Eagles are minus one and a half right now at our partners and friends on FanDuel. The total for this game is 46, okay? But as you mentioned, there's a lot of things still up in the air. We'll see how big Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders can be. We turn our attention to Thursday night football when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, I got to tell you something. When I'm watching football, you know what I think is hysterical? When they run that commercial, right, that's like week one finishes with this and then week two starts with this. And you're like, whoa, there is literally no time in between for people to get a breath. We've been waiting for this for months, and now it just seems like it is constant. Trust me, I am not complaining. But week two kicks off with Thursday Night Football. 
football with the Cleveland Browns hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And Kev, I got to tell you something. There has been line movement here. This is now all the way to the Browns minus six and a half. It was at five and a half just yesterday. There's been movement for sure. And I got to tell you, I'm with the side that it's moving. I think I like Cleveland in this one for a number of reasons. One, we have the short week in play, and we have it for a rookie quarterback. Okay, this rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow, first time he is on the road, first time he is traveling, and he has to digest a game plan on a short week. I think that puts him behind the eight ball a little bit more than it would for a veteran quarterback. I also told you, Kev, about my close-your-nose special, right? The Browns were a dumpster fire last week but that was against the baltimore ravens they underperformed their point spread by 21 points i'm coming back to them it seems like a lot of people are as well because this now stands at cleveland minus six and a half for tonight's game 43 and a half is the total what's a key indicator here for you in this game what are you looking for well i think one of the big things to keep in mind though is i believe early line look ahead spot here this was seven and a half that the Browns were laying. And then they hmm. did what they did, and everybody got off of it. I like the Browns as well. And I'm starting to really like the Browns in this spot. I think we're doing a little bit of what we did last week on Thursday Night Football, hearing the, ah, I'll take the six and a half points. Well, hold on now. But, right. again, like that didn't work out for you last week, taking nine and a half points. Let's really get into the meat and potatoes of these two teams. And what you – like – when you lose a game by 32 points in the NFL, it's it's tough, right? It's real, yeah. real tough. But the Ravens basically just show up in week one, and, and they're going to yep. hang hang a 30-point yep. net difference on your head. It's just what they do. And they've been doing it now for years. So I kind of okay giving the Browns a pass. Now, they're going to have to respond in this spot, but sure. I'm expecting that. We've talked about this chargers Bengals game as one of the more difficult games to read in week one. Are the Chargers really this bad offensively? Are the Bengals maybe right. better defensively? Right, right. I sit here wishing that, you know, that A.J. Green push-off wasn't called because you, we would be getting that five or, or maybe even a four and a half uh, probably right here with Cleveland. But there was something because I was on in-game live for the four o'clock windows that I remembered that I don't know – when you get caught up, right, Dane, and there's a thousand games on, it's hard to know sure. all these, you know, drive by drives. But being on for that game, and I remembered something. There were five consecutive drives that the LA Chargers got into Bengals territory. Mm -hmm. And they came away with six points right. in those drives. Turnover on downs, made field goal made field goal, turnover on downs, missed field goal. I look at this Browns team, and I think most would look at this Browns team, although I could be wrong here, as a better offense than the L.A. Chargers. And I definitely think in a spot where they're not now a team traveling west to east, a right. team that is actually hosting the game, on the that short week. should be able to capitalize on a Bengals defense that we still don't expect a lot from i like this browns team in this spot i think that they do have a good defense again you get lit up by the ravens yeah don't worry won't be alone in that outcome 
I like the Browns here laying six and a half. I think they're going to have, I can't believe I'm saying it because I know it's sacrilegious to say this. I think they're going to have a good offensive game. Yeah, Kev, I agree with you. And that's why I talked about that close your nose special, right? Because after everyone sees the Browns in week one, they're going to start to make judgments and conclusions. And remember, they were up against the Baltimore Ravens. And the context of this game is a lot different than the context of week one for them. So I agree with you. I am on them as well. You talked about thinking that the Browns offense is more dynamic than the Chargers. I agree with you. I do think there's some with that Chargers performance that they were... Um, uh, trying to be conservative on some level, right? Thinking that they could hop in, hop out. But that's a different topic for a different day, okay? Terod and that Chargers offense did not look that great. But I want to ask you something about the Browns because I agree. They may be a more dynamic offense, and that may include Jarvis Landry, who it looks like will be able to go even with that hip injury. Here's what I want to ask you about with the dynamic Browns offense. I'm going to give you two prop bets, Kev, and I think Mm. you're going to know where I'm going on this one. Nick Chubb, rushing and receiving yards, Kev, 81 and a half. Kareem Hunt, rushing and receiving yards, Kev, 65 and a half. Give me the Kareem Hunt over, I believe. How do you think this one plays out? Because I believe Kareem Hunt is a real piece of this, as you describe, more dynamic offense than the Chargers. I think Hunt is real. Like, he had more carries than Chubb last time, more yards than Chubb last time. But they are still installing Chubb as sort of this quasi-bell cow. I think they are completely forgetting about it. Kareem Hunt just signed money. He's a real piece of this. And I think when you put rushing and receiving together, Kareem Hunt over is the play. Yeah, and I think it is important, though, to bring the receiving number into this. Now, he got yes, over yes, that number yes. last yards. week on rushing yards alone. I'm not sure. And, in fact, I would say I doubt he will have more carries than Nick Chubb this week. But Kareem Hunt is the type of bat that Scrimmage I yards, don't yeah. need 15 carries from. I think he'll be efficient in his work. And... There's going to be another player I want to talk about in the props market where you go for some of the underlying numbers. But Kareem Hunt had six targets, four of those good for catches, only nine yards. He is a much more explosive player than four catches for nine yards would indicate. I think if I get that just same level of opportunity, he should get closer to probably 30 yards of receiving. So I I definitely love the Kareem Hunt over rushing plus receiving. Cool. I know you've been playing in the anytime touchdown scorer market as well. And I see a guy like Nick Chubb at minus 120. I see a guy like Joe Mixon at plus 125. Are you playing in that market again this week? I've thought about it. Chubb worries me. Last year, he was kind of bad down in the red zone area to where mm. I don't know if I want to lay a minus price with him uh i take a look at this Bengals team and since i don't really love them and i don't know how they're going to look down in the red zone i don't know if i trust the mix in either we could try and find some of these receivers i'm not sure we're getting any value on your odell's or your jarvis landry's to score touchdowns i think maybe if you wanted to play in that market it might be a night to go for some plus money you know, A.J. Green hmm. is 210. I think that that is a decent number. I think Austin Hooper at a flat two is also intriguing. But 
let's just talk about the still most popular player in this game. And so the elephant in the room. Let's talk about him. Cool. Odell over under four and a half receptions. And you pair that as well with over under 59 and a half receiving yards. So we look at his week one game. Three catches, 22 yards. That's terrible. But he had 10 targets. And that's all I need to know. I'm going to play this guy's over receptions. And he's the type of receiver that if he's going to catch six balls, I'm going to have a good chance at him then making up 60 yards because he is explosive. This is the type of game, game. You know, hold your nose special. They are playing the Bengals. But this is, I think, the zag game. Everybody thinks Odell's a waste. Everybody thinks the Browns are a waste. People got the Bengals is live here. I disagree. I like Odell to have a big game. I like the Browns offense to have a big game. I expect Baker Mayfield running up and down the sideline like he was back in Oklahoma and Odell Beckham hitting the newest TikTok dances after scoring touchdowns. All right, we shall see. It is a nationally televised game, right? So maybe it's Odell's opportunity to pop off. He certainly likes the spotlight. I'm with you. We'll talk about this game and the action in the octagon coming up this weekend with our guy Jay, the sports gag CEO, who joins the early line next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, trying to give you everything you need to make it a profitable day. And we put the fun and functional sports content as well as we welcome back in our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out west. And Kev, it's been a while, but we are happy now to bring in our guy, Jay, the SportsGag CEO. And we're doing it on Thursdays moving forward. If you've been with us like throughout the summer, and the pandemic we brought in jay on fridays to talk about ufc matches fight island and the like but these days as i'm sure jay can understand we are all football all friday so he joins us on a thursday and we got some fights to talk about jay it's been a while we are so excited to have you back on the early line how are you doing brother All right, it does not sound like we have his audio just yet. We are working on that. Jay, thanks for waking up with us. We're going to get you right, pushing all the buttons to make sure it is okay. But I go back to Kevin then right now in, in this Thursday night football game because we are going to get Jay's thoughts on Thursday night football, and I'm on this positive regression. It seems like you think Baker's going to be running around and doing his thing as well. You're on Cleveland on this side. Yeah, I'm excited. And to be honest with you, Dane, like the the notion that the Bengals are the safe side in this game, it, right. it just okay. So are the Bengals better than people thought, or are the Browns that much worse than people thought? Again, it's just it's the question that I posed last week. Yeah, that the Texans were the safe side. So I have this under. The, the reigning Super Bowl champions were the dangerous side last Thursday. And they weren't. And that's what we saw, right? So I, I'm very interested. So let me ask you, though, Kevin. 
Yeah. Is it like I hear what you're saying, but I wonder if I don't know that I can apply that concept all over the place. Right. Because maybe the Chiefs are just an outlier. Maybe the Ravens are just an outlier. Right. Maybe some of those teams, all of the narratives go out the window because they're just head and shoulders above the rest. But when we talk about some of these other teams, maybe some of these kind of trends do hold true. But they're not. I see. That's. I don't think that's necessarily a trend, right? And again, okay. if, if we all agree that it's unlikely for a spread to matter, right? Then, yeah. do we believe that like the Bengals are going to win this game? I think you said something that, I, and I am almost kicking myself for for not saying already. And I don't feel like I've heard a lot of people say this, even though What's it's up? such a simple thing. Joe Burrow, week two. No preseason. Here's a short week, pal. Yeah, that doesn't on the sound road. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> against against yeah. the Browns defense that has been improved. Like, I, Absolutely. I, Dane, I don't think we could talk about this game for a long enough period to where I go, ah, maybe I should get off Cleveland. Because the longer this conversation goes on, the more I think I want to bet on the Browns side. Yeah, and, and, and Kev, remember one of the things I said about Joe Burrow facing the Chargers, right, with no preseason and all that stuff, and what I thought Boza and Ingram were going to be able to do. Now, they did get to him. He was running for his life a lot of that game. Now, he did it yeah. well and ran for a rushing touchdown, but let me tell you something. Miles Garrett also is going to put pressure on Joe Burrow, the likes of which he has never seen before. And this is on a short week. This is with travel. I'm, yeah, that's the thing for me. I don't know. Listen, I love Joe Burrow with his cigar and all that stuff. I get it, mm -hmm. right? And I think he will be a good quarterback in this league. But this is a context that he has never faced. The Bengals still have a poor offensive line. There's a reason they went like 2-14 and 14 last year. And you and I both, I think, believe that, you know, on some level, you have to give Cleveland a pass for some of what happened against the damn Baltimore Ravens last week in Baltimore. I think that is fair, and that is part of the reason why I'm on this positive regression. I'm on this zag when everybody zigs, and I do believe as long as it stays under seven, I will be on the Cleveland Browns. I see you got something to say, and we'll yeah. check in to see if we got our guy Jay as well. But what else you got on this game, Kev? Well, last week, you know, we had, uh, you know, again, friendly gentleman's bet of trying to figure out a spot where we disagreed on yeah. the Thursday night. You are one and zero. But I, I listen. It is a it is a one and zero that I don't bring it up for that because it was tight. Because I bet it before it moved. But hey, whatever. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like the number existed in a totally different context, right? Yeah. So that's why again, like it's not some like, who I got who, caught who, by the left hook. What are you gonna do? Right. Who's worried about any of that? But I look at this game here, so we both like Cleveland. I don't like this total in any really way, shape, or form. So I didn't, though, get a response from you about what you expect from Odell in this game. And I'm not saying that this is going to end up being the gentleman's bet. And I don't want to yeah. ever force one of these because I think that that yeah, yeah, is yeah. super disingenuous. Right. But you like the Browns a lot, as do I. I do. What do you expect from them in this game then from that perspective you i know you brought up kareem hunt we, we agreed on right. that again who are the guys in this game outside of kareem hunt that you like from cleveland yeah um that's a good question uh we're not gonna have a gentleman's bet on this one because me and odell is a straight pass 
is a straight pass right now. To me, the guy we're going to have in this one is Baker Mayfield. Okay, I think mm. Baker Mayfield is the guy, right? Pass, and it's some Odell, it's some Landry, it's some Hooper, right? It's some, I think Baker shows it. But I'm hearing that we have our guy, Jay the Sports Keg, CEO, back. So let's give it a shot because we got to figure out how to make money on the UFC this weekend. Jay, we're trying it. I hope we got you. How you doing, brother man? I'm doing well. We got the football. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I like it. I like hearing you. It is music to my ears because that means we're going to make some money this weekend in the octagon. I got to ask you, though. Okay, when I was, you know, the cards recently have been like, eh. All right, cool. But this is real to me. Woodley Covington, I think that's a big-time main event. I know Cowboy is on the co-main. Talk to me first about this main event in the UFC. Okay, we got Covington. We got Woodley going up on Saturday night. How do you see this one? No one watches more tape that I know on these fighters than you do. So what have you seen? Yeah, in my opinion, Colby Covington, unquestionably the second-best welterweight in the world right now. If he gets the Usman rematch after this fight, he might be the best in the world. The fight with Usman, that fight was tied 2-2 going into the fifth round, and he was winning the first two minutes of that fifth round, 180 seconds away from being the champion until um, Usman put him down, and that was with a broken jaw since round two. So I love everything about Colby, incredible wrestler, great Control. Um, second best wrestler in the in the division behind Usman. He sets a pace that only Usman really can cope with. And while he isn't a very powerful puncher, he throws a ridiculous amount of volume from range, and he's extremely accurate. In addition to that, he's not afraid to get inside the phone. So Covington, washed up version of Tyron Wood. If the fight was happening three years ago, I would have been really excited. This version is an older, a slower version of what we're used to. Woodley seems really interested right now in his rap career and not so much the cage. Mm. So the, the, the only thing that Woodley has going for him is still he carries power. The problem is if he doesn't connect square on the button Saturday night, he's going to yeah. lose and he's really badly. So uh, he doesn't have the gas tank to hang with Covington anymore. He used to be a great All-American wrestler, excellent top control, but we haven't really seen that. So I think Covington's superhuman gas tank wins the day here. Colby imposes his will like old-school Randy Couture. And even though Woodley hasn't won a fight in a couple of years, um, Gilbert Byrne embarrassed him. So Woodley will be live for a knockout in round one and two. So that's your hedge opportunity, in my opinion, uh, because of that freakish power. Maybe you throw a couple bucks on Woodley by TKO in round one or two to hedge out. But you come over the top with Covington. So, you know, Colby has been a, a decision machine. Mm. But... I, I think that Woodley's looking less and less durable each time we see him, and it wouldn't shock me to see Covington stop Woodley from ground and pound here in round maybe three or four. You can get Covington by knockout at plus 50, and I think that there's value there. If you want to take the decision prop at minus 138, you can. 
But I think this is a spot that's worth taking a chance on the heavy dog money, considering how Woodley is regressing every single time we see him. So give me Covington by TKO late at, at, at plus 350, and you can fractional on Woodley round one plus 1,400 and round two plus 1,600. So, Jay, I think what you said there, it's it's hard to argue any of it. But if I wanted to try and talk someone into Woodley, right, it's dangerous to ask anybody to do anything that Kamara Usman did, who might be the best fighter in the world, let alone in this weight class. But if you're Tyrone Woodley, Kamara Usman after the fight said that he basically knew that Colby couldn't knock him out. So if Woodley has that same confidence and knows that trying to wrestle him is just going to be a zero game game anyway. Does Woodley then enter this fight just throwing bombs for five rounds and being a little bit reckless, kind of? And I know we're getting close up to break, so Dave, maybe we want to take it a break and answer on the other side to make sure that we can get the full answer to this because that's the danger in this to me hmm. is that if Woodley believes that he can't be knocked out by Colby, and he has 25 minutes to throw his biggest, hardest, nastiest shots. Yeah. Is Covington's jaw, after being knocked out, a little bit more vulnerable than it had been going into previous we will We will get Jay's response on that question and on the co-main featuring Cowboy Cerrone when we come back. I think it's interesting, right? If Woodley's just going to be throwing caution to the wind and not giving a damn, could that be the approach? We'll get Jay's thoughts on that when we come back right here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where, if you haven't noticed, we put the fun and functional sports content, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, and we've got our guy, friend of the show, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. He is my UFC expert. And Kevin raised an interesting point, right? If Woodley is sort of knows that his stamina is falling, knows that it's sort of the last hurrah, why not just go out with a bang, throw caution to the wind, and try to hit Covington on the button? Do we have? Okay. All right. It looks like. Oh. Yeah, I got you, Jay. Is that for? I'm sorry. You was that for me? No, that's for you. Yeah, that's for you. Like, oh, do yeah. you think Woodley has a shot if he throws caution to the wind? Is that why you have oh. maybe the first, second round KO? Yeah. Here's the thing. His. I agree with everything that Kevin said right before the break, but. I don't think he has the stamina anymore to do that for five rounds. And we see how mm. apprehensive that Tyron Woodley is. He is always walking backwards in that cage. He always backs himself up against the cage before he starts to throw. And we saw Colby take a lot of bombs from Usman until he finally dropped in the fifth. I think he's fully recovered from that. So I do think that Woodley will be a threat in the first and second round. 
but I think that past that, he, he'll start to wear down just because of the incredible pace that Colby Covington is going to set that entire fight. And I think that at some point, Colby, I agree with Kevin. He doesn't really have knockout power, but I think that he'll get him down to the ground in rounds three and four, and I can see him stopping him uh, right. with a little ground and pound. And that's why 350 I think it's worth the shot. Yeah, I like that plus money. You know that, Jay. So let me ask you about this other, the co-main. And I got to ask you just bluntly, like, what, what what's Cowboy still doing? You know, like, he's still fighting. He's plus 128 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Is this purely kind of like name recognition value at this point? I see price at minus 158. I know Cowboy may be kind of like a a, a public name, but he ain't getting the job done anymore. Yeah, it's it's a really tough uh, uh, fight. From I'm a, I'm such a Donald Cerrone guy, and watching a gladiator like him with this incredible career get knocked out by Conor McGregor's shoulder, I mean, it tells you that like the end is near, right? He looked yeah. okay against Anthony Pettis, but you can just tell that the speed isn't there like it was. The takedown attempts aren't as crisp. And even the power in his hands is starting to wane. The problem is he is fighting a guy that I've never really been a fan of in Nico Price. He's known for complete chaos. And even though it it doesn't appear technical, he really does have sledgehammers in his gloves. That being said, uh, he has put down a lot of solid guys. And he was really close to beating somebody that I'm sky high on in that division in Jeff Neal. So my initial reaction to that fight was take the plus 130 on Cerrone and just hope that that gas tank isn't completely empty yet. Then I started thinking about how this fight should really go down. I think that if Nico Price wins the fight, he does it by knockout. Rony's style is still way more conducive to edging rounds on points simply due to the amount of volume that he throws. So if you do think that Cerrone wins this fight, you might as well take the over one and a half rounds at minus 125 because I think it's the only way he probably wins. And as long as he survives seven and a half minutes, you're a winner, and it doesn't matter what happens in the second mm. half of that fight. If you think Nico wins the fight, take him by knockout at plus 115 rather than laying the 160. So my lean is whether or not Cerrone wins this fight or not, his fighting style, uh, he, he'll keep it distant at range. I think that they could probably sneak over one and a half rounds. But if you, if you like Nico, take him by knockout at plus 115. Let me ask you, Jay, here, for uh, over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, how will the fight end? Points is plus 220. If I'm not mistaken, the last time we saw Nico Price in the cage, it was absolute chaos, as you mentioned, but it did go the full distance. And I feel like these two guys have this ability to give us 15 minutes of, oh my goodness, how are they still alive? But they're both still alive. And... The plus money always makes this attractive, but at the end of the day, it's about winning bets. Do you think there's a world where this fight actually does see the full 15? I mean, it really all comes down to if if Nico Price taps that chin of Cerrone, 
will he drop or will he be able to withstand the damage and i'll tell you man that guy throws a lot of bombs so he'll be avoiding a lot of shots for 15 minutes but i see what you mean because i really think if cerrone wins this fight it's probably going to be on points by just outworking him and landing him more so if you're taking that plus 220 you're basically hoping that that chin can hold up for three rounds against a berserker like Nico Price. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, and listen, Jay, you have been great with us on the UFC, and one of the things I love about it is that, you know, I see Covington at minus 375, and yet you still tell me multiple ways to play this fight that we can get plus money. Same with coming back with, you know, Cowboy, maybe over, but then Price via knockout, you know, so I really like the different ways we slice the cat. Keep it keep it locked for Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. You see him on Twitter all over the place, and he is explicit and transparent with his plays and his unit count which is continues to be sky high jay i do want to turn our attention to the nfl real quick though here because we've got a few minutes with you and i know that you came to this game really with a focus on football college football so we want to get your thoughts here when we have you now in football season during the break Jay, we were talking about our horrible Jets that you have ranked power rated 31st in the NFL. And if you are a guy who has your own indexes, your own point spreads, and then you look at what you think it should be and what the book actually hangs it at, talk to me about your process, about indexing these teams, seeing what you think the spread should be, looking at the real line for that kind of gap and that being where you think is value and where you ultimately make plays. Yeah, I have a model with about 15 to 20 um, analytics that that I make to, to generate my lines. Last week, week one, our, the Rump Pure Bets power ratings that I made, uh, we, we identified 12 edges and we went nine and three. But I'll this season in particular, yeah, I've always been locked in with what I felt home field advantage should be. But mm. because of these crazy conditions... I basically just gave an adjusted average home field of one and a half points across the board. Yeah, so like for tonight's game. Even in Jacksonville where there's some fans? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just just so weird. For for right now, until every stadium has fans, until everybody's pumping crowd noise, I just did one and a half points across the board. I got this Browns line tonight at seven and a half so i think at six there's there's definitely value on the browns at home over a key number so i'll be on the browns tonight personally and we were talking i really like joe burrow's rushing yards even though i'm going to take the browns you got a kid making his national debut for 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 the nfl he's going to be hyped up He's going to be going against a front seven that should be able to collapse the pocket often and should get him running. I think the kid is going to extend plays. He's probably still a little nervous, and he he will probably lean more on his legs before he throws a tight passing coverage. So last night I took over 23.5 rushing yards for Burrow. Right now it's at 25.5. 
I still like the over. Uh, he, he, he ran seven or eight times last week for almost 50 yards against a solid front seven. And I think it's the same exact thing is going to happen. I just think at the end of the day, yeah, the Browns put up six points in the first quarter against the Ravens. They got they get shut out for the last three rounds. But I have the Chiefs and the Ravens three and a half points better than any other team in the National Football League right now. So I do think the Browns get back on track here. Um, I would lay the six, and if, if I was giving you a prop, it would be Burrow over 25 and a half rushing yards. Jay, if I can ask you another thing about those power ratings of just how much, if at all, are you adjusting things after week one? Because everybody, you know, tries not to get caught in the overreactions, but, you know, you see things like the Eagles blow a 17-point lead or, you know, the Niners be the only team after going to the Super Bowl in their division that didn't get a win. How do you try and find that balance between having a one-week sample size, the preseason notions, and now moving into week two? It, it was it, – I did move the lines more than I thought that they would. I did drop the Eagles a bit. I did pick the Bills up slightly. Um, I, I, I was high on the Cardinals going in to see them um, play pretty yeah. well against the 49ers. I, I bounced them up uh, a couple spots. But, yeah, you, you're, you're right, Kev. I figured it was going to take me the first four weeks of the season – to really hone in these power ratings, especially with no preseason and and these crazy conditions. And, you know, I felt pretty good as a starting point last week. So I did did make some changes, but um, not as much as I normally would, only because of the crazy circumstances that we're dealing with this year. Yeah, and Jay, we are going to have crazy circumstances for the rest of the foreseeable future. (laughs) One thing I do know is that we will be very appreciative to have you come on. We're hoping every Thursday during the football season to talk a little football, to talk a little fight game. I I want to ask you to get out on this, not a game or anything. We've heard that the Big Ten, they don't play also. Right. Like, what do you think about college football this year? Are we going to see huge line movements? You talk about the fans. Well, you know, 100,000 people not being in the horseshoe is probably going to matter. LSU on a Thursday night, right, is probably going to matter. How do you relate all of this to the craziness in college this year? We got only a minute left. To be honest, I don't know. I I really (laughs) am. If I'm gonna, you want an honest answer? I have an honest answer. I I have no clue. I'm happy to see the Big Ten joining the Big Twelve, the ACC, the SEC to to get underway in late October. But man, as of right right at this minute, I'm so focused with the NFL and the UFC. I'm I'm a good two weeks away before I even start (laughs) thinking about the Big Ten. You know, and Jay, I say it all the time. I tell Kevin, it's like when you go to those Brazilian steakhouses and you have the coasters on red or green because you think at first (laughs) you got to take every kind of meat that walks your way, right? But at some point, you got to turn the coaster to red and just be like, you know what? I'm all right. Chill. (laughs) You know, and so – 
you can't take every slab of meat at the Rodeo. That's what I'm saying. Some, right? And it's like, oh, the prime rib yeah. looks good, but so does that bacon wrapped filet over there, right? So 100%. I'm okay. I ain't mad at you, bro. You don't have to bet them all, but you will be continuing to come on with us during football season to tell us what you do bet on, and we'll continue to hype it up. I'm with you. I like that burrow rushing prop as well. I think Miles Garrett might have him running for his life a little bit tonight. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, Jay. We'll talk to you more next week, all right? I love you guys. Thanks. Be good, Jay. All right, sounds good, Kev. Here's what we're going to do when we come back. we got about three minutes left. We'll digest some of what Jay said, and we will make our plays for Thursday night football. I'm intrigued by that Burrow prop. I want to see what you think about it. We'll talk that. We'll give out what we think when we come back to tie a nice, neat little bow on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin closing out the show. The morning after is up next here on SportsGrid. Make sure you keep it locked to Ariel and Jared breaking stuff down as well. But, Kev, I think we're on the same side on this one. I think we both like Cleveland. You know, Jay said he had it at 7.5. At 7.5 would be cause for pause for me. But under a touchdown, give me the Browns at home on the short week facing the rookie in the national TV debut. I told you the longer we talk about this game, the more I like it. I think that this is a good spot for the Browns. Burrow, short week, first short week, and it's only his second week in the league. They scored 13 points at home. Now they're going to Cleveland. I think this Browns defense is comparable to that that he saw in week one in the L.A. Chargers. I think this could be a tough night for him. I think the rushing prop that Jay threw out there makes a lot of sense. Uh, I like Baker Mayfield also over one-and-a-half touchdown passes. He did that uh, all three times in his final three games of the year. And again, like the Ravens, I'm I'm not going to overly worry about that. So I think there's a good chance that he gets multiple touchdown passes in this game. I might want to take one of the running backs as as a pseudo hedge, if you will, and hmm. maybe come away with both of them. The only struggle is I don't know which back I necessarily need to take in order to make that kind of hedge. Yeah, no, I hear you. I am also with Jay on his burrow rushing prop. Remember, he got that 23 and a half. He's moved up two yards since then. So there's a lot of steam on that in that same direction. I told you, as a pair of the running backs in Cleveland, I'm going Kareem Hunt. I mean, the book is listing 81 and a half for Chubb, 65 and a half for Hunt in terms of their scrimmage yards, rushing plus receiving. And I will, just like we say in fantasy drafts, give me the B side. I will take over 65 and a half for Kareem Hunt. What do you think? think though about jay saying that the uh ravens and chiefs are that much head and shoulders above the rest because if you buy into that right then you gotta have that in mind all the time after teams play those two juggernauts because public perception may slide on them which is hilarious though because the texans get the treat of playing i know. The chiefs. i looked at that they are playing the ravens what a that's one of those good old home dogs right 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's a tough, a tough way to start for Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but then remember that, right, in weeks three and four, because they're probably not as bad as it looks like. So we do have to see that on balance. We'll have a full-on football Friday tomorrow. We'll also talk about what happened in the NBA playoffs as well. From my man Kevin the Candle, Berna Wash, I'm Dane Martinez. Have a great day. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.